0: Welcome everybody to episode two of the Regression to the Mean Podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran, and happy Labor Day weekend to all of you. This is the busiest fantasy football drafting weekend of the year, and we are coming out with content left and right this week that will allow you to either A, dominate any remaining drafts that you may have, and B, start to look towards week one. This is an historic moment, welcoming our first guest and – who else to bring to the pod but Mr. Evan Fagundis? What's up, man? Welcome to the
1: pod. What's up? I appreciate it. I'm honored to be the first guest. And if there's if there's something that I really love, it's talking football, specifically fantasy football, with people that have a rooting interest. I'm happy to be here.
0: Evan's a real red-blooded American, football running through his veins. Yep. This is all he's thinking about. So I I thought it would be an honor to have him on the pod.
1: Absolutely. Barbecues and ball games, specifically football <laughs> games. Is, is my cup of tea yeah
0: i know we're not talking about movies but again I'm, I'm happy to have you on the podcast and i know you would specifically been texting me a couple things mm-hmm. some kind of bold predictions that you would had mm-hmm. and i thought it'd be fun to bring you on the pod and talk through some of our boldest predictions that we have for the 2022 season i think that is perfect for me because
1: i might not dig into the nuts and bolts quite as much as as you do but i can't rip off a take like I, I can get behind something, and I can push for it, whether or not it's completely backed. I will, I will give it everything I have.
0: Well, I know you've done your homework. I know you've done your research. So I thought it'd be fun for this podcast. We are each going to bring three bold predictions to the table. We're going to sell our side. We're going to present our case, and then Evan's going to share his thoughts on my prediction. And I'm going to share my thoughts on his prediction. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. I feel like this is this is a conversation that we've had. A million times without a mic so i'm glad one is uh, is present
0: now yeah yeah now it's official mm. okay so my first bold prediction for the 2022 season i don't think it's a shock to anyone if you've played any fantasy football with me over the past couple season my ride or die matthew berry likes to say his fantasy ride or die my fantasy ride or die for this season for 2022 is Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. My bold prediction for the season is that Jamar Chase finishes above Justin Jefferson in overall scoring and is the top scoring wide out. So he clears Jefferson, he clears Diggs, he clears Adams, and he clears Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. So let's start first and foremost with Justin Jefferson. Now I don't want any of this to be a slight against Justin Jefferson. I've had him on my team when he hits the gritty. You're just absolutely having the time of your life. It is nothing against Justin Jefferson. I just think the hype has really started to run off the rails a little bit, and I get why the hype is there. He has insane two-year production, and the Vikings are shifting from a Mike Zimmer run-first offense to a sexy 11-personnel Sean McVay-type offense where he's being tabbed as the Cooper Cup of the offense. So essentially he's going to be moving all along the formation. They're going to put him in the slot. They're going to put him at the x they're going to put him in the y he's going to operate at all three levels aside it's it's kind of hilarious that someone who's being put in the cooper cup role is being drafted over the actual cooper cup mm-hmm. in the real rams offense yeah. was, there's something yeah it. pro- the rams are probably going to have a better offense than the vikings i think that the hype for jefferson is warranted but i think this has allowed fantasy managers to overlook jamar chase chase sat out his college season. He foregoed the 2020 COVID season and he went 20 months without playing football. And during those 20 months, he wasn't playing organized football. He wasn't actually putting on the pads, wasn't getting hit, wasn't burning corners. Justin Jefferson was setting the world on fire with his record-breaking rookie season. The time comes for Jamar Chase to get drafted. He gets selected by the Cincinnati Bengals, gets teamed up with his former college quarterback. The shower narrative is in full force. Shout out Adam Levitan. So what does Chase do when he comes into the NFL? He tells Justin Jefferson to hold his beer. He puts up over 1,400 receiving yards, breaking Justin Jefferson's record. He scores over 13 touchdowns. He puts up insane weekly spike weeks. And he goes on his way to averaging 18 fantasy points per game, finishing as the wide receiver five. As a rookie, he outscored Justin Jefferson during his rookie season. I think that's important to, to note. Now, again, That's great. But why are people discounting Jamar Chase? A lot of people are discounting Jamar Chase and they're also discounting Joe Burrow Mm -hmm. because I think negative regression is coming for Jamar Chase. So he scored, I think 13 touchdowns and eight of those touchdowns happened outside of the red zone. That's really hard to replicate year over year. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people are slotting Jefferson over Chase because they're not expecting Chase to score 13 touchdowns. People are looking at this regression angle and putting Jefferson in front of Chase and then not understanding the context that was the 2021 Bengals offense. Joe Burrow's coming off a torn ACL. They have one of the worst O-lines in football. They decided to become a run-heavy team at the beginning of the season to protect Joe Burrow. Burrow finished 15th in overall passing attempts behind the likes of Ryan Tannehill and Mac Jones. The guy passed less than Mac Jones, the same guy that had the farthest average depth of target and the highest completion percentage in the NFL. He's the first guy to do that since Drew Brees. So what we're seeing here is that Jamar Chase balled out in an offense that had limited passing attempts. And my case for why I think Jamar Chase outscores Justin Jefferson is the fact that I think the Bengals pass more. They have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. I think they're going to play in a ton of shootouts. They've upgraded their offensive line. Burrow is a year past his ACL surgery. And I think there's a realistic opportunity where Burrow's 15th in pass attempts in 2021, and he's finishing in the top eight in 2022. And again, for context, Burrow finished 14th in red zone passing attempts. The Bengals running back Joe Mixon finished fourth in red zone rush attempts. Josh Allen, who led the NFL in red zone passing attempts, doubled Burrow. And how does this come back to Chase? Is that Chase was actually targeted more in the red zone than Justin Jefferson last year. Jefferson was a 50% target rate. Jamar Chase was at a 66% target rate. Mm -hmm. And I think if you see red zone passing attempts go up and overall Bengals passing attempts go up, just more opportunities for Chase. He doesn't need all those deep passing attempts and deep passing touchdowns to repeat his season. And I personally think that the Bengals will have a better offense than the Vikings. The Vikings, everyone's painting them out as the next kind of like Sean McVay spot, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of 11 personnel. I fell for this last year, dude. Shane Waldron was the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. And everyone said, Russell Wilson is going to be in a Seahawks offense that's going to be modeled off the Rams. Draft Mm -hmm. everyone on the Seahawks because they're going to be like the Rams. I ended up drafting all the Seahawks and none of the Rams because the Rams actually were the Rams. And I think what's important to understand is Zach Taylor comes from that coaching tree too. And I think there's a real opportunity – for the Bengals to pass more. I think they're going to put the ball in Burroughs' hands. I think they're going to move Chase all around the formation. And I think he's the one that's going to outscore Justin Jefferson. And I think he's going to finish his wide receiver one. You know, that is a – I mean, you make a you make
1: a wonderful case. There's a lot in there that really surprised me. I mean, I knew that the Bengals were run heavy. I would not have guessed that Ryan Tannehill threw more passes Insane. than – Joe Burrow last year, and I know part of that had to do with, you know, Derrick Henry getting hurt, but still, Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill, I felt like I watched a lot of those guys' games, and I could have sworn Joe Burrow threw the ball three times as much as they did, right? The only questions that I have, one, so I love that there's projection that's involved with all of this. Of course, there is. Like, we don't know what's going to happen, and you're only arguing a guy is hopping up two in his position ADP, right? He's currently being drafted third. Yeah, it's not that big of a hot take. He's wide receiver three. I mean, yeah. But uh, so like that projection is like, you don't have to stretch it quite as far. Like some of the other takes that we have, you really have to stretch the projections that lots of the sites and stuff have. Right. So it's not like he's hopping up that far. The only questions that I could possibly have would be like, one, are we sure Zach Taylor is (laughs) moving away from Joe Mixon? You know, it seems like they had a really good time beating people up. And they play in that division with with the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns, teams that seem to like that. And again, that's very much narrative driven, but it's kind of a division that you imagine having a lot of like 17, 14 nail biters. Yeah. Who knows? Some of those teams aren't quite as good this year. And then the other man, the only man that you didn't mention that I want to talk about a little bit is T. Higgins. Because this is another guy who, you know, rumblings are in the air for having a, a truly monster season. And, and of course, Chase had what, 20 more targets or something last year even. So you would imagine that gap could grow wider, but it's just another really good young receiver.
0: Higgins Mm -hmm. is a baller.
1: But you're expecting a lot more passes for both,
0: almost. And again, I'm not even, and I think the Joe Mixon idea is really smart. I think Joe Mixon's a good player. He actually performed pretty well last year because he scored a lot of touchdowns Mm. and his offensive line couldn't block for him either. Right. I think the offensive line improvement Mm -hmm. is the rising tide that raises all ships yeah I I really do and I think there's plenty of meat on the bone for Higgins to do his thing yeah I just think that Jamar Chase is a generational talent I think it could be week five and we're just like this guy's the best receiver in the NFL Mm -hmm. and he's gonna be the best receiver in the NFL for the next five years yeah like I wouldn't be surprised if that happens and again with Justin Jefferson when you think of people catching touchdowns in Minnesota we think of the great white hope Adam Thielen I mean, the guy literally, (laughs) the guy literally scores 10 touchdowns every year. He defies regression every year. Again, I think there is a lot of meat on the bone for this offense. I I really do. I think Higgins is going to ball, but I think that this is a tougher schedule. I think Burrow is going to have to pass more, and I think everyone is going to benefit from it. But I think Jamar Chase is just that special. And, again, the reason I threw this out there is because we listen to a lot of the same fantasy football podcasts. And you hear people are like, Chase is not in the same tier as Justin Jefferson. Mm. Should Chase even be a wide wide receiver Mm. three or four? Should we put Diggs in front of him? And I'm like, let's stop here. The guy didn't play for 20 months, came into the NFL – and dusted every corner outside of like Patrick Sertan. And yeah. That's another conversation about how nice he is. But. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think the point that you make that's a really good one is that they're both really, really good. Yes. They're really good
0: for players. I, they and they're gritty too. They're both gritty. You know, they both hit the one gritty. of those
1: positions where that can happen too, where it's like when you're arguing between yeah. Julio Jones and Devontae Adams at one and two, they're legitimately the two best receivers. Like you know Antonio Brown, you get thrown in there in that time but they are the best player. It, it doesn't have as much to do with like skill as it does opportunity. And I mean, even last year they were only what 26 total points different. It looks like in PPR, yeah. all that is, is what like three big plays, right? So three DBs who slip and turn, you know, a 25 yard catch into a 75 yard score could be the difference between these two guys. So I definitely don't think anyone could say you're wrong. You yeah. know what I mean? The, the margins are very small for two really good players.
0: And And you're right. And you know, From I I was cheating. I see your next take. Yours is a lot spicier than mine, but I just think you know how much I love Jamar Chase. I think by the end of this season, it's going to be pretty clear he's the best receiver in the NFL. How
1: high would you take him? In a complete redraft, PPR, just because we we play a lot of PPR, right? I I think it's fair to say that we can talk about PPR.
0: You could take him at four. At four, I think you could take him at four. I think, again, this is an aside, but I think there are three truly elite, RB ones right now to snag mm-hmm. a lot of people are sleeping on Austin Eckler but I mean the guy's a beast today. yeah this is an aside uh, yeah. I, I think that after Eckler all three of those wide receivers are in play yeah and even if you wanted to take him over Eckler mm-hmm. considering Eckler you know insert the Leo DiCaprio meme you mm-hmm. know yeah and running back over 26 is yeah. like a it's like a 26 year old girlfriend to Leo DiCaprio we're, right. we're dumping him so I, I could see why you'd want to go and and nab that wide receiver at even three, but I'm comfortable taking him at four. It, even, you know, and
1: I, I want to, you know, we can definitely move on to, to my first one after this, but I did want to ask, he got 71 passes on 130 attempts. I think that's what it was. I
0: think he finished with 80 catches. Oh, 80, 80. 80 catches. Probably, yeah, like yeah 80 on 100, 130.
1: Yeah. It's like 62% or so. That seems low. Even with the the lower passing volume in Cincinnati, there almost seems like there could be like a, a regression to the mean that not to not to use the name of the podcast too much well, but company man actually, we love it we love yeah, it first plug on the plug <laughs> seems like even with the same volume from last year he could have he could catch nine more passes right and, and that's not even accounting for this even more high-powered attack that we kind of assume is coming
0: i just think they're going to be more red zone opportunities i think they're going to pass the ball more in the red zone I think they're going to be a more balanced offense. I think they're going to be forced to pass the ball more. They have a harder schedule, and I think Chase is the prime beneficiary of it. And mm-hmm. again, if you were like, no, I'm I'm taking Justin Jefferson. He's just one of the coolest dudes in the NFL. The, what, the routes he runs, like yeah. he can beat you deep. He can beat you beat you over the middle. Like they're both freaks, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think it's insane they played on the same college team. That that is just nuts. Yeah, but they both hit. The, they both hit the gritty. So either one you draft. Come Sunday when they're scoring a 40-yard touchdown. You watch touchdown. a lot of you're, celebrations. Yes, you're hitting the gritty yeah. regardless.
1: You're watching a lot of celebrations. Um, having either one of these guys would, would be great, but you, you have a lot of stock in Jamar. So I'm, I'm happy to see you make the case and, and feel confident in your guy.
0: But let's hear yours. Is Again, my, my first mine's
1: one? not that spicy. Okay. I,
0: yours is pretty spicy. Like so let, said, let's,
1: let's hear it. Like I said. I'm going to be a little bit more narrative-driven here on this podcast, so uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to admit that. Anyone who's going to argue against the, against my takes get ready for a battle. But I'm going to be coming with a lot of anecdotes. Uh, I really like to look at what people say. I know you don't need to put too much stock in it, but my my first take is that Alan Lazard is going to finish as a wide receiver one. I, I mean, he's it. going to be one of uh, 12 team leads, so top 12 yeah, is what it. I'm thinking. He's going to be a guy that you can toss out there every single week. Currently. His ADP in ESPN is 38, and sleeper it's 39, at the wide receiver position, overall 92 and 96.
0: So he's sneaking in right at the end of the top 100.
1: Right at the end of the top 100, which is kind of in that zone of wanting to take guys with high upside. I and mean, this is completely projection, right? It's based on things like Aaron Rodgers saying that he's the clear number one and, and seeming to like him. There have also been rumblings that the Packers are going to go, quote unquote, wide receiver by committee. I have no idea what that means other than... <laughs> No one receiving more than like eighty targets. I don't really know exactly wide receiver what that means. by committee. That's what a wide receiver core yeah, is. That's they're not me. a room anymore. They're a committee. <laughs> but a couple more things. Like, for example, he's being drafted behind guys like Robert Woods, Devontae Smith, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Ayuk, way behind Gabe Davis, behind Hunter Renfro. And the reason I bring that up is because those guys are number two targets. Number two targets, often on good offenses, in the case of like a Tyler Lockett, not on a good offense.
0: You can make the case Renfro's a the third target.
1: Exactly. You could definitely make that case. But this guy, Alan Lazard, is going to be the number one target seemingly for back-to-back MVP in Aaron Rodgers on a team that projects to throw the ball a decent amount. I, I'm not going to say that they're going to be top five in, in passing. I'm sure they're going to be leading a lot of games as well. They're a good team. But... Almost every single year in Rogers' been in the league, he's had a really high target receiver, right? Like yeah. all we have to look at, I mean, even in recent history, you go back and look at the last four or five years of Devontae Adams targets, it's 169, 149, 127, 169. Like he's throwing to the same guy a lot. Now, I'm not saying Alan Lazard is as good as Devontae Adams, but he is six foot five. Devontae Adams was used a lot in the red zone. He projects as a good red zone type target. Rodgers has actually targeted him in the red zone a decent amount, considering yeah. Higher than than you would think, I, I guess is yeah. what I you know should say based on his reputation. I mean, it's just a total of 224 targets left behind between Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez. Val- Val- and I just think the opportunity is there. And sometimes we we're talking about good players. Fantasy is not about necessarily judging whether somebody is really great at football. It's whether they are going to have the opportunity. And I just feel like with Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to a number one receiver, as long as the guy can make catches i just think the opportunity is going to be there what do you think
0: do we know how much ayahuasca alan lazard has done is uh, that a, is is that a thing we know at this point
1: i'm hoping they're doing it together at breakfast or in the shower <laughs> like you were saying before for that for that shower theory
0: yeah i mean unless i know how much psychedelics he's done with rogers has he been on a vision quest I'm, I'm not quite sure i don't know if you hit on this but i saw in your notes final five weeks of 2021 lazard actually was wide receiver eight on a ppr basis i Yes, I found this too, when I was doing some research, he had like averaged like 16 points per
1: game. He did, he did. And the reason I did want to bring that up, I appreciate you reading that is because he has had stretches. What lots of people will say is he just hasn't done it. And season long, you're absolutely right. But I think that that is where the projection comes into play and you're able to point to something that is tangible. He has gone out on a football field and had long stretches of high target share and production.
0: One year I had him on a on a team, and I started him the game. I think he went for like eight for one thirty and a touchdown against the Saints. Dude, mm-hmm. I think it was on Monday Night Football, right? Um, and it was like, oh, this is happening. Yeah. Like Lazard is happening. Yeah, I think he got a core muscle injury and was done for the rest of the year. Right. So, you know, usually I, I would pause a little bit at wide receiver one because typically you'd like to see a guy do it yeah. first. You mentioned it like. A lot of people are throwing out Christian Kirk as a sleeper wide receiver one. Christian Kirk has a top, wide receiver top 24 season underneath Mm -hmm. his belt. Right. I think Lazard was on his way to doing that, but he got hurt. And I I think, again, you mentioned Ayuk. I mean, (laughs) we like Brandon Ayuk on the Regression of the Name podcast. We are fans. but We're not talking about the level of football player, right? (laughs) But again, like opportunity. Ayuk's technically like the third target on probably a pretty run heavy offense. It's like. Gabe Davis, we love Gabe Davis, but is Gabe Davis really that different than Alan Lazard?
1: From the projection perspective, it's hard to say that catching four touchdowns in a playoff game is, you know, long-term projection. I I don't know. I I totally see exactly what you're saying and that is Gabe Davis probably better? Yes. Is there going to be opportunity for Gabe Davis? I'm sure, but we haven't seen a full season of that yet. So for somebody to say like that's more of a lock, I think is where the lines get a little bit blurry. And that's why I brought him up because what you have to invest is just not that much in Alan Lazard. And I know that's like not the point of no, but, a hot take, but I can make the hot take knowing that like,
0: you don't have much to lose. Th- this is why you draft Alan Lazard at 96 or 92. Yeah. Because when you're drafting in the eighth, ninth, 10th round, you don't give a fuck about floors anymore. Right. You are drafting for ceiling. Yes. You're looking for guys that you could win a league with. Yeah. And though I, I do have some doubts about Lazard, I really like the take. And I legitimately think that there is a non-zero chance that you look up and he's like got like nine touchdowns by week six. Mm-hmm. Like he's just going off. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be shocked right. at all. Right. And, and I think
1: in the in the zone that you're drafting him, it's a guy that you'd be upset about, but honestly not mind dropping. By the time you're getting to that point, right, you're you're not exactly imagining that that person has to be on your team the entire year and is a reliable player. Now that goes against my take. I think he is going to be one, but I just mean it, it kind of seems like it's almost like a, a can't lose situation at that point, especially if you're building, you know, maybe running back heavy draft at the, at the top of the draft.
0: Yeah. And again, it's all about opportunity costs with Lazard. Yeah. You mentioned the guys you're drafting over him, Hunter Renfro, Stone Cold Baller, mm. but like, I think I'd rather swing for the fences with a guy like Lazard. Yeah, I mean, for you know, a guy playing for a
1: quarterback that regularly throws for forty touchdowns versus a guy playing for a quarterback that is projected to have by far his biggest statistical season, right? To an extent, like Derek Carr, to to uphold the ADPs of the three people that he's throwing to the yeah. most, he'd have to have a better statistical season than he's ever had, which I think he can. He,
0: I just don't see a world where lazard isn't heavily targeted to start the season right the caveat here if you haven't drafted i think there was some rumblings that lazard might not play week one he's, he's got the questionable tag already to start Uh-oh. but i think even then if you have a draft tomorrow night or wednesday night i'd still take him. Yeah. i mean even again you're getting him in the eighth or ninth round you're yeah. not taking him in the sixth or seventh like yeah. this is a really good spot for you and again Maybe you took running back, running back, and you're hammering wide receiver, quarterback, tight Mm -hmm. end. Maybe you went hero RB. If you go hero RB and you're in round seven to 11, seven to 12, two wideouts, three running backs, you know, give or take, typically is the split I like to take. But I think he's a great guy to target in the middle rounds.
1: Hey, fair enough. If if your wide receiver four on draft night can become a a consistent target for a back to back
0: MVP, I think that's. I, I think that's a, a win on draft night. And you can just handcuff him. You can take a Romeo Dubs in the fifteenth and because I, I guess they're doing a committee now, there which is go. really yeah, weird. Yeah, wide receiver by committee. Definitely won't be taking Randall Cobb. I think that's where I would have I don't uh, think so. I would have dipped. This one is I think my favorite one. Okay. And you know I had Kyle Pitts on my team last year mm-hmm. and he really did have a good rookie season, but I took him in like the fourth round, fifth round. I don't think he delivered an ADP Mm -hmm. for for what he was. Mm -hmm. And I really don't even think it's against him. I think he was really good and that offense was just terrible. And weirdly, Matt Ryan just wasn't a great fit for that offense. Mm -hmm. And I think Matt Ryan will perform a lot better with the Colts this season. And I'm going to dive into this. I think this sounds weird. I kind of like the Mariota move. I think it's kind of an upgrade. But, Okay. okay, so this is even my take. This is my aside, but I am projecting Kyle Pitts to finish his tight end one. Now, this is a two-fold take. One, this is around the surrounding tight end competition. And two, this is around the current talent of Kyle Pitts and the Atlanta Falcons offense. So again, tight end one last year was Mark Andrews. I personally think Mark Andrews is a prime candidate for regression. I've told you this before. He's on my do not draft list, which I know sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. But he was on his pace to have his normal Mark Andrews top three, top four, tight end year, top five. Mm -hmm. But essentially, Lamar Jackson gets hurt. Their whole entire offense gets hurt. They're losing a bunch of games. And they have a backup quarterback who really only can throw between like zero and 10 yards. Mm -hmm. And he was just targeting the absolute shit out of Mark Andrews, Mm -hmm. dude. I think it's insane. Like with Huntley at quarterback in those zero to 10 yard range, he had like 30 catches for 300 yards Mm -hmm. and three touchdowns. The guy was an absolute monster. And I think he really benefited from positive game scripts for passing from a quarterback that really only could target him. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you look at the numbers, like Marquise Brown was having a really good year with Lamar as his quarterback. And then the minute Huntley came in, Marquise Brown didn't even get targeted Mm -hmm. because it was just like Huntley could only funnel targets to Andrews. This seat, I think the Ravens offense this season is going to look a little bit more like 2019, Mm -hmm. maybe even a little bit more like 2020. I think they're going to pass it a good amount, but I think they're going to focus on running the ball. I think their defense is going to be awesome. And I think they're just going to be a ground and pound, control of the clock team again. That's just my take. So I think Mark Andrews is awesome. I think he's overdrafted. I think he's a prime candidate for regression. Mm -hmm. So that's tight end one that I don't think is an option from last year. So, you know, the guy who finished at tight end two last year is one of the greatest tight ends of all time. And it's Travis Kelsey. And though I think Travis Kelsey is going to have a fantastic season. He is turning 33. I just think that Travis Kelsey is going to dominate in the areas he dominates in, and it doesn't necessarily translate to more production just because Tyree Kills left the offense. Mm -hmm. I think something that's important to keep in mind is that the Chiefs are playing for January. I honestly think that they may limit Travis Kelsey's snaps, rotate in more tight ends, tight end by committee. We're big fans of committees on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Word of the day. And I think that he's going to see the least amount of snaps of his career. I think they're going to play for January, for February. And I think what matters more is having a fresh Travis Kelsey come Super Bowl time. I just think that's all that matters in Kansas City. And I I wouldn't be shocked if Kelsey still had great statistics over like 900 receiving yards, maybe catches 10 touchdowns. But I think they're going to mix in a Blake Bell or Funston, I don't know, Fort Fortin? I don't even know. The other dude who's balling <laughs> yeah. out in the preseason. I'm not even going to edit that out. Fortin. Uh, yeah. Funt, Maybe they'll be
1: playing him over yeah, yeah.
0: Well. we'll learn his name. Jeez. <laughs> <Coming laughs> but I think they're going to rotate in more people. Mm-hmm. And I think that leaves Kyle Pitts with the opportunity to really go nuclear. Mm-hmm. And I think the case for Pitts is really compelling because, one, he's the first rookie tight end since Mike Ditka to go over a 1,000 receiving yards. And though he had that historic season for a tight end, he finishes a tight end 11 on a point per per game basis because he only caught one touchdown. And if you drafted Pitts in the fourth, fifth round last year, like I did, though he was awesome to have on your team, Mm -hmm. he was kind of disappointing. And if you dig into the numbers, there is more that meets the eye that shows that Maybe Matt Ryan was affecting him a little bit. They had a kind of a weird connection. But if you if you look at these numbers, he was second in route participation amongst tight ends. Mm-hmm. So when he was on the field, he was running routes. They're not using Kyle Pitts to block, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. Two, he was ninth in targets per game as a rookie. Targets are earned. It's difficult to do that as a rookie. Three, he was second in intended air yards. He's not a dink and dunk tight end. He finished 49th out of 51 on catchable target rate. That's mm-hmm. insane. Like, We think of Matt Ryan as kind of an accurate downfield quarterback. He couldn't hit Pitts. It was weird. And he actually finished with a minus four TD expectation. Mm -hmm. So again, one touchdown. He should have scored five considering his production. And I mentioned this earlier, kind of weirdly, I think Marcus Mariota is an upgrade over Matt Ryan in this offense. Mm -hmm. And especially for Kyle Pitts. I know we've talked about this a little (laughs) bit, but do you remember who Marcus Mariota's number one target was in Tennessee? Back um, when he was like, actually like a relevant football player? Was it our guy Delaney? We are major fans of form, former San Francisco 49er Delaney Walker. <laughs> when Delaney Walker was tight end for the Tennessee Titans, when Marcus Mariota was starting quarterback, he finished as the tight end two, tight end four, and tight end five. Mariota is clearly a quarterback that likes to throw it to his tight ends. Mm-hmm. And we're talking in tight end two season when Rob Gronkowski was tight end one. He averaged 17 points per game. So weirdly enough, I think the Marcus Mariota addition is kind of an upgrade considering how bad the O-line is. And I think Kyle Pitts is just going to dominate. doesn't matter if it's corners, linebackers, safeties. I think they're going to feed him the rock. I think he's going to make huge leaps and bounds from year one to year two, which is pretty typical for tight ends. And I think Mariota is the perfect guy for him to unlock his tight end one season. And even if it's Ritter, Ritter looked pretty good in the preseason. He looked mobile. He looked accurate maybe i'm bullish on the falcons this is weird and again I'm, I'm gonna keep it honest like i don't think andrews is gonna repeat his tight end mm-hmm. one because of regression and i think kelsey's gonna play less and i think pitts is the offense and i think he has a quarterback that can get on the rock this year and i know jamar chase and kyle pitts not the sexiest i mean the sexiest players you can mm-hmm. choose right i don't think it's the craziest takes but i am fading andrews and kelsey at adp can't mm-hmm. believe i'm saying that I'm going to snap up as much Kyle Pitts round three, round four ADP as possible.
1: You know, I uh, I came on this podcast after the wonderful first episode. Now I come to this one and you're telling me to bet on Marcus Mariota and bet against Travis Kelsey. Yes.
0: To all the listeners, over on every Mariota prop, under on every Kelsey prop.
1: I, I think that's funny, but if there's anyone that I would do it for, you're right. Why not Kyle Pitts? He is an athletic freak. Every time you watch the Falcons, it feels like he makes a couple of those catches that are just amazing. Capital C catches. He goes up and gets it. I'm really excited to watch him play overall. So I would not mind having some some stock in in Kyle Pitts and, and this coming season. Those Delaney Walker numbers are insane. I mean, tight end two is just wild. And I wouldn't have necessarily thought that that Tennessee offense that Marcus Mariota was was leading would necessarily produce you know a player who had that type of production but really impressive stuff I mean it's hard for me to argue too much other than to say that in order to get me away from the the memorial that is Travis Kelsey tight end one it, it, it's difficult but I would love to see it happen
0: yet we're fading an offense led by Mahomes Kelsey and 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 Andy Reid and we're, yeah. we're leaning in on Arthur Smith and the Atlanta donkeys why not them Tell our listeners, who do you think finishes as a top 10 fantasy QB? Yeah, so
1: my te- second take is that is going to finish as a top 10 fantasy QB this year. A- and I do think it's spicy. I do think, but I, I want to talk through it a little bit. and I- I'm going to use some of the points that you've made here over the last few weeks when we've been talking about our-, our fantasy research that I feel like you've kind of made <laughs> for me. Well, first of all, let me, let me start with some of the, where the projection comes into play. First thing I'd like to mention, he rushed for only 128 yards last year and three TDs. Now, I have no idea if that's going to be the way Mike Daniels is going to be running this offense. What I can say is that I think just generally, the offense is going to open up a bit more. They're going to have a better rushing attack. They have a bit of an improved line. I think there are still a lot of questions there, but it's definitely improved from a, a position group that was like maybe the worst in the league last year,
0: I, I right, to can- an extent. I cannot emphasize to all nine of our listeners how bad the Dolphins' O-line was right. and how terrible their wide receivers were. Right. I mean, I'll let you take it from here, but I just think you'd have to go up from that. It, I,
1: that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. And and I think part of this is just you know rising tides, lift all boats, as you mentioned yeah. earlier. I think the offense is actually going to be really good. I think Jalen Waddle is going to be really good. He's somebody who's not being talked about a ton right now. I think Tyree Kill is going to be really, really good in this offense. I think he's somebody who creates a ton of separation, which, as you mentioned, is something that the Dolphins did not do last year. And I think they're just going to be yards after catch crazy. So whether or not Tua is throwing down the field a ton, I think the offense is just going to be moving a lot more. I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity for run after catch. Those big plays that we were talking about with Chase and Jefferson, I think this offense is going to have those. Yeah. One stat that I came across that I thought was interesting was that Tua was... 48% on passes, 20-plus yards downfield. That's second in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to up the the volume there a ton, and it's going to stay at 48% or or that high, but it's a possibility that he
0: can make some of those throws, and I think that's something people aren't talking about a ton. Oh, we we in – we in the cult of two we right. know about his deep downfield pass, right? We, exactly. How accurate he is. You know, you don't need to preach to us, it, you know, where he's going to need to make the
1: leap is in that kind of like short to intermediate space. And and that's where he hasn't been that efficient and is kind of that Tyreek happy zone, right? Like how many times times have we seen Tyreek catch that little, like three yard button and turn it into a 25 yards down the sideline. I think that's something that can happen a lot because of the space that this offense is going to be able to create, but, he's going to have to capitalize. And that's kind of where I'm projecting that he will. He is also being drafted ADP 18, essentially. It's between 17 and 19, depending on what site you're on. So free. He's He's not even being drafted in, in most leagues. And I just personally think that he has a far better shot at outshining that ADP because of the opportunity in this offense than guys like Matt Stafford, even like Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. I think you just kind of know what you're getting a little bit more there. And they could very much fall in that, you know, 8-12 to 12 range, but I really feel like Tua can kind of hop up into that 8-9 zone. I, I think maybe he can even run for a couple of touchdowns. I'm hoping the hip is feeling good. Again, this is a lot of projection, and honestly, there aren't a ton of numbers to toss at other than obviously us being fans of Mike McDaniels, me personally being yeah. a fan of, of Mike McDaniels, yeah. and, and that run scheme. I think just helping create a better offense that's going to score more points overall.
0: Like, w- would it shock you if he's a lefty, more mobile can push the ball downfield version of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh,
1: that's kind of what I'm hoping. And and he's usually, you know, in that like 14 to 16 range. And I'm hoping this offense will just be a tad more dynamic when it comes to throwing the ball. I'm kind of hoping that they won't be able to run quite as well as those, those 49ers of the last few years. So it just might create more opportunity through the air.
0: Did you see Tua in the preseason?
1: I didn't watch a ton. I, I mean, I saw some throws. His last game I know was really solid. He was, Dude. what, six or seven or they, 100 for hundred. They had a, he McDaniel, had a really nice
0: game. McDaniel had him running out on a lot of boots. Uh-huh. It's so trippy watching him as a lefty throw. Right. He looks tiny out there. He looks it's weird. Really small. He He looks weird. Yeah. But he was just putting the ball exactly where it needed to go. Mm-hmm. And I think the offense made a lot of sense. And I saw that he uh, – he was out before the game, like five, six hours before the game, practicing in the stadium, visualizing. Mm-hmm. I just, I the think narratives. He, we I love think, that. yeah, I think he knows this is it for him. His career is, it, it'll be. He's going to have a Marcus Mariota type career if, if, he, like, I and it's so fair or fair or not. Like his rookie season was an absolute travesty. What they put him in, right? And last year he didn't even have an offensive coordinator going in, so. Right. I think they've upgraded a lot of talent around him. They've tried to replace him how many times? Right. Watson and Tom Brady. I think he knows that this is his last opportunity, and I love this take. I think he could ball out. I think he'd have to score a lot of touchdowns to I, get the top 10. I, definitely counting on their team being good.
1: I think this yeah. is also a bet on or, or, or a take that the Dolphins are going to be good, maybe in a division that that's going to struggle a little bit overall. Yeah. but. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to score a lot of points because I, I don't necessarily envision them running around a ton. So so they're definitely going to have to score touchdowns and a lot of touchdowns through the air.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I love this take. And I'm I'm curious to see where this lands. I, I like the Dolphins. He's also just a good player, right? Like we've been talking about that a little bit. It's not – I'm not
1: trying to project Josh Rosen. This isn't – you know, I'm not <laughs> taking him just because he was drafted. Yeah, Josh by. Rosen stinks. This is one of the – biggest prospects of the of the last 10 years or so especially after his sophomore year in college i know because of the injury i mean part of we, this has been health dependent yeah, and as well we, i'm hoping he's healthy
0: and we do this whole thing i mean we listen to a lot of bill simmons right mm. you and i and he talks about like if you played this person's career out a hundred times what would right. this look like would this be the worst outcome right like this is probably the worst way you could start a career from my opinion probably i mean i mean the stuff about the offensive coordinator
1: Chan Gailey design, being yeah, a grandpa and, and completely designing the offense for Fitzmagic magic and just not changing it at all. It's when they're rook, I, it just kind of doesn't really make sense. And you know what? That could have derailed his career completely. Maybe he comes out this year and he actually does lose his job and sucks, he becomes yeah. a backup then we know. for the next six years. Then is out of the league. We'll see, but I'm kind of, uh, I'm bullish on the dolphins as a whole. I think Tyreek so is going to meet ADP. Uh, I think, I think this what team could be good. I
0: think what people need to understand too, and we talked about this, is that for Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill to meet their ADPs, yes. it would kind of like all but guarantee that two has to be like a top 14 fantasy quarterback. Yes. Like quarterbacks that support one wide receiver do not have to be good. Right? Quarterbacks that support two viable fantasy pass catchers yeah. typically are good fantasy yeah. quarterbacks.
1: And folks, including us, I think think Chase Edmonds is going to catch a decent amount of balls. Like, yeah, somebody's going to have to.
0: They're asking Gasecki to block now, but Right. I mean
1: that's kind of funny. It's hilarious. You know, lots of people talk about somebody has to catch. You know, on that team, I, I think in certain circumstances you have to say somebody has to make the throws, whether or not it's going to be to a, you know, who can say for sure. But, but that's my second take.
0: Okay. My last take here, and if you listen to the previous pod, shout out our eight loyal listeners who listened on our first pod. I talked a lot about AJ Dylan. And I think A.J. Dillon's going to outscore Aaron Jones. And I know you love Aaron Jones, so I'm (laughs) going to put the hard sell on you here. So, Quadzilla got eased into the 2021 season after playing very little as a rookie. So, if you look at their early season snap percentages, he barely even plays. He gets a couple splash weeks in like week five, week six. But I'm going to say from week eight on is when he becomes a full-time player. And the reason I'm choosing week eight is because Matt LaFleur is calling this a 1A-1A running back offense, running back committee. So that's kind of where it become a 1A, 1A distribution, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't cherry pick that week, but again. (laughs) Jones, from week eight on, Aaron Jones averaged 12 fantasy points per game. A.J. Dillon, 13.5 fantasy points per game. Mm -hmm. Not only is A.J. Dillon getting the bulk of the red zone carries and kind of like grind it out, game on the line, let's put him away. He actually was really good catching the ball, which was something we did not expect whatsoever. The guy literally mm-hmm. had like no catches at Boston college last year. He has like over 30 catches over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. This is a quote from Aaron Rodgers When a reporter asked them, how many balls do you think these running backs are going to catch? Rodgers says, I think 50 is realistic. I think 50 for both of those guys is realistic. So like that's nuts that yeah. Aaron Rodgers is saying that a lot of people in the fantasy community are rallying around, Aaron Jones mm-hmm. because they've seen the stats right. of his 5 for yeah. 50 what are you your averages yeah mm-hmm. and but you see him average 10 fantasy points per game just off receiving when Devonte Adams is out right. but what if they actually are splitting that work mm-hmm. what if both are just getting those targets mm-hmm. and what if it's not so clearly a distribution where you know Aaron Jones catches the ball and AJ Dillon does it mm-hmm. like i think we're going to see an opportunity for both of them to shine and I think why I would pick Dylan over Jones in terms of fantasy points per game is I think Dylan's going to continue to get a higher percentage of the red zone staffs while also getting that passing work. And again, it's the second time I mentioned this, but give me that Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. meme of him ditching his 26 year old girlfriends running back over 26 or 27. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Give me a younger, give me a younger AJ Dylan. I love Aaron Jones, but I think I'm passing on him and Again, to sum this up, this is Matt LaFleur talking about A.J. Dillon. There's just not too many backs that size that have those kind of hands that are true halfbacks, LaFleur added. You can see some fullbacks that do that, but not halfbacks. So he's like, this dude is a goddamn Hulk of a human being. Mm -hmm. He is a red zone beast. And he also has got soft hands. He's an excellent receiver. Mm -hmm. What if A.J. Dillon is just flat out better than Aaron Jones? I kind of think he might be at this point.
1: Wow. So this is not even health dependent for Aaron Jones. You think that a a healthy season from both that Dylan could outperform. I think Dylan,
0: and I'm planting my flag in this one. Okay. Dylan out. I'm planting my flag in this one. No matter what. Yes. I'm planting my flag in this one. Okay. Dylan outscores Aaron Jones. Okay. If anything were to happen to Aaron Jones, AJ Dylan finishes in the top three. Wow. Yes. Okay. If you go look at it last year, if you look at it last year, Dylan got way less snaps to start the year than Aaron Jones, and he had more top 10 fantasy finishes. Mm-hmm. Jones was actually kind of disappointing if you yeah. had him last year. He right. he was solid at the end of the season, but yeah. I, he wasn't that consistent. Yeah.
1: I hear you. I hear you. This is, this is one of those that's really hard because, again, we're coming back to the Packers. There's a ton of opportunity. And it's honestly, to me, almost not surprising to say it. Rodgers say that because he clearly likes to throw to these running backs. Yeah. And he's probably going to do it even more now than he ever has before because of the loss of the Devontae Adams target share that has been so prolific. Which was their offense. Like, which
0: was their offense. I don't know if any of our listeners know this, but like Devontae Adams was their offense. If you've I ever mean,
1: watched a Packers game, you know. You yeah. wouldn't even have to be like really, really following statistics and, and following fantasy to watch their games and be like, almost to the detriment of the team sometimes – Aaron Rodgers only threw the ball to Devontae Adams, right?
0: <laughs> we all saw that playoff game in Lambeau, go Niners. Yes, right. But we're just like,
1: Rodgers force feeding. was just
0: force-feeding. Yes, Even when absolutely. Lazard was absolutely. opening. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so between Lazard getting a huge share of those targets versus them being split between the running backs, I think it's actually probably leaning towards the running backs being the safer bet just because we have seen that happen before. He has targeted Jones quite a bit. Like you said, Dylan did get a lot more targets than we probably would have guessed last year. So, you know, I really like Aaron Jones this year. I just think he's a fun guy to have on the team. If anything, I could see this maybe being a year early and this still being enough of a split that it almost kind of cancels guys out a little bit and Dylan ends up being the better choice because of the ADP. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to totally fight it, but I do think I'd probably rather take Dylan at where he's being taken than Aaron Jones. I'm not going to go so far as to
0: completely agree with the take. But this one was the one that made me think the most because yeah. it's
1: like heart versus
0: mind. I think this is the best opportunity we've had since Ingram and Kamara mm. for two running backs to finish. Just as being viable. Running back ones. Yeah. You no, know I mean? Like,
1: oh, okay. Yeah. We're talking like top 12 running yes, backs. Yes, both of them. Yeah. I, think, I don't know if I that's going to happen. Like nine and 13 but, or something like but that. This, yeah,
0: this is the best chance we've had since Kamara and Ingram.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, that idea of Two guys at the same position being incredibly viable kind of ties into my my next take. How do you like that transition? I like it. Yeah. It's
0: like you podcast or something. Yeah, something
1: like that. I I even you know a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. But (laughs) my third hot take is that Mike Williams is going to be a top five receiver this year. And that's what I mean by the I mean the big one. Wow. To me, this feels almost like it's purely health dependent. And talking about health in Mike Williams. Not super dependable, but <laughs> I think that the opportunity is there. He was only 34th last year in target share in the entire NFL. He ended as wide receiver 12 last year in PPR
0: in a season in which he did end up pretty banged up. Dude, his numbers before the knee injury were insane. insane. I was I was a Keenan Allen manager, just right. literally salt. I was just like, what yep. is going on? Mike Williams? Like what? It's
1: been crazy. Through the first five weeks in PPR, he... Was wide receiver two, I believe, behind Cooper Cup. Cooper it wasn't Cup was even starting like, his dominance. It, but, but it was like close by far. It was insane. Team, right? If
0: you had Mike Williams on your team those first five weeks, yes. you got you got a head start.
1: Over 10 targets a game, large percentages of those targets deep downfield. It seemed like he was running wide open, you know, half the time he was going out on a route. And Herbert was throwing to him a lot. And that's kind of where we get into the Herbert conversation. He is the hottest MVP pick in the league right, near, right now, right? He's widely considered to be in for an absolutely monster season. Like people are talking about 40, 45 touchdowns. And I think to do that, obviously he did some of that last year. I mean, he had an amazing season last year, but I think part of that is through throwing the ball deep to Mike Williams a lot. I, I think there is a big play potential on this team. They have a good offensive line. Like you mentioned with Eckler, they just have good running game, a good passing game. They're a good offense. They're going to score a lot of points. And I think if if he's able to stay healthy, last year Mike Williams was wide receiver 12 in a year in which after week five he was pretty banged up and, and was up and down. Granted, he he was
0: think, like normal like Mike Williams yes.
1: again. And I think because of health, that was the case. But he still ended up at wide receiver 12, Keenan Allen wide receiver 11, playing a largely healthy season. I think this year Mike Williams is being drafted at... 17, 20-ish, like in that 17 to 19 range, depending on where you're drafting, yeah, I, think, I think that's insane. Yeah. He, he's going behind guys like DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin. The reason I bring them up, those guys up is because those quarterbacks are Suck. not being projected yeah. to be MVPs, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I can bet on anybody, I want to bet on Herbert, and you know what? Betting on Mike Williams' health isn't always the, the most winning strategy, but if he does stay healthy, like I said, I think this is almost easy, legitimately. Why do you see her four or five?
0: As fantasy managers, we can't control for injuries. Like, right. we we can't do that. Like,
1: you can't do it. Yeah. So, that's not how you win leagues, yeah. right? You, you can lose leagues worrying about injuries.
0: Yeah. I like the take. My take is I'd rather draft Mike Williams over Keenan Allen. Right. You know how much I love Keenan Allen. Yeah. I've won a lot of fantasy leagues with Keenan Allen as my guy. Right. I'm just. Again, when I watched the two of them play when they were both healthy, Mike Williams was way more dynamic. Right. He was explosive. And I think that if they like try and open up the offense a little bit more, because, mm-hmm. like, again, the nerds were literally losing their mind that Herbert was playing like noodle arm, dribbries, right. right. like butts formations. Half, yeah, step, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. What was crazy, though, is that Mike Williams was the – Michael Thomas X receiver right. for those first five weeks. It we all thought it'd be Keenan Allen. Right. But it was Mike Williams.
1: Yeah. He was kind of doing both. He was doing the intermediate stuff, but then he was still doing the Mike Williams. Yeah. I'm going to sprint down the sideline and be six, five and run up four, three
0: or whatever. <laughs> you know, I totally agree with this. I'm cautious to put him in like the top 10 because who are we knocking out? But I, if you look up at the end of the year in Mike Williams is one of the most drafted players on fantasy championship rosters. Right. Not surprised. like right. At all. Who – and this is curious because what? Mike Williams went like the 10th or 11th round last year. Yeah. Wide receiver two on a good offense. Right. High draft pedigree. Who do you think another type Mike Williams breakout? Like kind of comes out of nowhere who's a wide receiver two. Like from last year? No, like this year. Oh, like, this you, year. Who do you think – I mean, man, I know this is kind of off-tangent a little bit, but like
1: who do you I, think could break out? I mean – I think it's possible that – and he's being drafted at, like, wide receiver 12 right now. I think it's possible that T. Higgins legitimately is, like, wide receiver top five wide receivers. as okay. well. I think that there's a legitimate possibility that they have two top he's five wide receivers. He's a beast. So he'd probably be one of my picks. I mean, outside of that, you start getting into guys who are the number one. Like, could Michael Pittman be wide receiver two yeah. this year? I think it's possible. That's not exactly as spicy, right? Because he's going to get all the targets there. Who are
0: you thinking? You know what comes to mind is someone because I was not drafting any Mike Williams last year and I went to the playoffs in only one of six leagues. So right. that that's uh right, I digress. Yeah. It wasn't his fault. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious, like, is Devonta Smith just like kind of weirdly Ooh. somebody who could be really good? I know this we're going off at a tangent. No, and this I is can another bold I take mean, a He little has
1: out. an established connection with
0: Jalen Hurts. Hurts right. He's the wide receiver too. Right. I think they went like Really high draft, him and Mike Williams. Like, I don't find myself drafting Devontae Smith because he's a wide receiver, too, on an offense. I'm like, I don't know about. Yeah. Maybe he just goes off, too. I don't know. That
1: would be a surprising one because he is one of those guys, right, that I don't know how it's been for you, but when I'm sitting there in drafts, I'm not jumping at Devontae Smith's name. Even though I think for ADP, you're right. Like, there's a lot of upside there. Yeah. But he is one of those names that I'm avoiding a little bit, and it may be one of those guys who you're just like, Wait, he's wide receiver seven through the first five weeks. How did that happen? Yeah. But it's like AJ Brown got off to a little bit of a slow start, yeah. but the team has still been good. You know, like yes. I think it's definitely possible. I think it's possible for him to have a season like Mike Williams last year where he starts hot and then it's like, okay, now AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts are in stride. And by week seven, those two guys are making fantasy managers happy.
0: Yeah. So, in summation, we think my bold predictions we think Jamar Chase finishes as. Wide receiver, one. Mm-hmm. I think that Kyle Pitts finishes his tight end, one. Mm-hmm. And I think A.J. Dillon outscores Aaron Jones. You think Alan Lazard is going to finish the top 12 wideout. Mm-hmm. You think Tua lands in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And you think Mike Williams makes a huge leap, finishes a top five wideout. Yes. I like those. I like them too. We, we're not going to be wrong, right? There's no
1: way. I don't think there's any way that we're wrong. And you know <laughs> what? We're really getting out there because the two that you mentioned, you know, your first two, you were kind of laughing about how it's not a massive leap, but at the same time, calling your shot on number one, you know, it's not like you're saying, oh, they're going to be top three. I mean, obviously, Chase is being drafted top three, so well, they're both kind of being drafted top three, but they're having to supplant people that are the best of the best. Rocks, right? I mean, Cooper like,
0: Cup literally put his team on his back. Took him to the Super Bowl, right? And won. Like the that's Super most Bowl. Scenario, the most likely scenario,
1: right? Is the arguments are about the LSU receivers and Cooper Cup yeah. just dusts them both again, <laughs> you know? Right? Yeah, it's just like hold my beer, on Cooper yeah, Cup. Yeah, yeah. All but, you guys are trying to play my role in the offense I'm in. Exactly. And I probably. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. He's yeah. like, you guys can be the second and third best version of what I do. That's the best, but which is what makes it, I think, a, a you know a spicier take than it might first come on.
0: Stop. Can I drop two more on you before you go? Absolutely. I only do. told you to prepare for three, but I have two. As I was doing some research, I thought it'd be fun to throw out there. Mm-hmm. I'm officially planting my flag in Saquon RB1. Let's go. I'm trying to pump your bags up. Thank you. I know that you have him <laughs> in our Stockton League. So I think he finishes his RB1. I think, again, going from a Jason Garrett offense to Brian Dable. And now, like, what? Wondell Robinson's their wide receiver one because yeah. Tony's 24 and he can't stay on the field. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think he's, like, the only guy in that offense that is worth Anything. Right. And I think he could catch 70, 80 balls. Like, I would yeah. not be shocked. And again, that that's huge. And I think he's going to dominate. So I think I've got him as my RB1. I'm planting my flag there. This one, I can't believe it's been two episodes. and I've spent almost two hours talking yeah. without bringing up Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Been kind of a weird couple weeks in Ninerland. we were all aboard the Trey train. Mm-hmm. They bring back Jimmy G. It's just been weird. Yeah. It's just, it's just going to... We thought this season wasn't going to be awkward and weird like last year was. It's it's probably going to be even more awkward and weird. But Shanahan just signs up for the chaos. I just think that's where we're at here. And this projection, I I think Lance is going to play all year. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't play the whole season unless he's injured. You know how much I was screaming for them to bench Jimmy G. Like literally screaming Mm -hmm. for Jimmy G to get benched. Shanahan didn't do it. He almost right. did it. If they lose that Bears game, I think Shanahan benches him. Everyone projected that Jimmy would get benched mm-hmm. for Trey at some right. point. It didn't happen. So mm-hmm. I think Shanahan's a pretty stubborn dude. I think he's going to stick to his guns. Unless Trey is clearly impacting them winning games. Mm-hmm. Like Unless Trey's like really bad and not getting better, I just yeah. don't, I don't see it happening. I don't either. Yeah. Okay. So we're throwing that out there. I think Trey Lance has 10 rushing touchdowns this season. Jalen Hurts had 10. Cam Newton and Kyler both had ten in twenty twenty, and Cam had twelve actually. Josh Allen had eight as a rookie in twenty eighteen. He had nine in his second year in twenty nineteen. So over the past four or five years, it's been eight or over. Mm-hmm. Um, I we don't we don't really know a lot about Lance. I just feel like they're gonna run him in the red zone. Like yeah. that's what I feel like. So I think that his. Stats may be a little gross at some points this year, but I really wouldn't be shocked to be a 10-12 rushing touchdown.
1: I mean, he showed a massive propensity to rush when we saw him play in in limited action last year, right? Like, he tucked the ball and ran a lot.
0: Especially in that Cardinals game. Especially in that Cardinals game. He looked really unprepared.
1: I I think the biggest thing that is going to be interesting to see with him is whether he can keep himself healthy because part of that rushing last year was taking mammoth hits.
0: Yeah, I'm kind
1: of hoping as Niners fans that that's not the case as much. But I could see him rushing for a lot. I mean, that would pretty much guarantee him top like eight fantasy finish, right? Yeah. I mean, if he rushes for 10 touchdowns, he's having the Jalen Hurts type think, season at the floor. I
0: think Dak did it as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I think the Niners should be really good in the red zone. Yeah. I think trade's gonna be awesome in the red zone. I think it's gonna be a little rough around the edges in between the 20s yeah. to start the season. That's I mean, fair. Isn't...
1: That's fair. And and you know, that doesn't even really factor into that prediction too much because i think the 49ers still will be able to run the ball like yeah. they can every year so I, I think the ball will still move even if trey lance has some growing pains it's it's not as similar it, I, I think that's where the comparison to eagles last year stops a little bit because that team would struggle to run the ball sometimes and and they got hot towards the end of the year but i don't think that's going to be a problem for the like the 49ers offense as a whole moving the ball
0: i disagree with that comparison because the 49ers have Debo Samuel, Brandon right. Ayuk, George Kittle. That does like, make a big The Eagles difference. were – I mean, Dallas Goddard's a great player. Right. But, like, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, yeah. Quez Watkins. Right. I think – and I've told you this. Year two Josh Allen is my comp for, mm. for trade this year. Yeah, Year one, year two. I, I really think it's going to be similar. We've already seen it in the preseason, hitting a deep shot, mm. but – can't throw a five yard out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll like see. I remember us talking about how this dude just couldn't hit a running back in the flat. And that might be yeah. our, our, uh, that might be our reality. But I think, you know, and Kyle Shanahan loves that. When yeah. he Quarterbacks can't hit a layup yeah. target, but yeah, that's it. So two more bonus ones for everyone out there. Saquon RB one. Trey Lance has over 10 rushing touchdowns. I wouldn't put him in a, in a rank. I can't mm-hmm. do it. It's yeah. Yeah. I mean, that juju on him. I can't. Yeah. But it was so much fun having you on, dude.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. We love
0: to have you back.
1: I I I'd, I'd love to be back. I'm happy to be here. How are
0: you feeling going into the season?
1: You know, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. I have one more draft left, and I feel like I'm excited for that part to be done. You know, yeah. Draft prep is fun, but drafts are are stressful when, especially when you you know are trying to do well. Yeah. So I'm excited to get into it. I'm just really excited for for football to be back, and you know that first time you hear red zone firing up is is special every year.
0: I'm quite excited for the first Sunday of the year. Yeah. I'm pretty pumped for Thursday. That game is going to kick in is going to be really
1: fun. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's fun to get a goofy couple of games to start the year, but I think it's going to be really cool to see really good teams play against each other. Teams that have high high expectations. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for coming on, dude. This was a blast. We'll have you on hopefully all the time. Thanks for having me. All right. That wraps it up for episode two of the Regression to the Mean podcast. It was awesome having Evan on the pod today. I've got a busy week, two more fantasy drafts before kickoff on Thursday. The plan is to have another couple episodes out over the next week or so. I'd love to do a Sunday Red Zone recap podcast, and I might even do a Start Sit podcast on Wednesday, but that's still to be determined. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it as much as Evan and I did. Talk to you soon.